Hello and welcome to Balderdash Academy. I'm your headmaster, Bob LeBlanc. Joining me is our faculty professor of English language arts, Molly McGill. It's going to be a good one. <laughs> professor of STEAM, Nate Green. Hi, it's going to be a great one. Introducing <laughs> our professor of computer technology, Randy Hunt. Rumor has it it's going to be a good one or a great one. <laughs> yes. And our two-time reigning champion, Professor of Home Ec and Wellness, Marie Stewart Harmon. Hi, folks. I think this is going to be an excellent one. <laughs> our visiting professor today is Fred Greenhalge, award-winning, internationally recognized leader in the revival of audio drama, creator of The Dark Tome, with the third season of which will be dropping on Halloween. The Cleansed, The Mayan Crystal, and of Fae and Fiends. His work includes Lock and Key and the X-Files for Audible and Expeditionary Force Homefront, which is listed on the New York Times bestsellers list. He's worked on set with David Duchovny, Gillian Anderson, Kate Mulgrew, Stephen King, Zachary Quinto, and most importantly, our own Marie Stuart Harmon, and past visiting professor Sean French. If you're interested in the art of audio fiction, Fred runs Final Rune Academy at Final Rune Productions to teach you just that. Links to all of Fred's work and his academy are available in the description. Now, before we, can, uh, before we, we continue, I have a confession to make. We had... A technical difficulty. Now, this is our 13th taping, and no 13th taping can be complete without something potentially going wrong. We already have scores, and the points are. In last place, we have myself with zero points. Next, we have Randy with 17, Marie with 28, Molly with 41, and Nate is in the lead. And no surprise to anybody... <laughs> With 75 points. Now, Fred has agreed to be the scorekeeper tonight (laughs) while our faculty members compete for the coveted reigning champion banner. They will do their best in a showdown of competitive comedy. At the end of each, Fred will assign points to the competitor he feels is most worthy. He is not looking for for the correct answer. Much like me reading that line, he's looking for the best answer. The points are arbitrary and can be given to anyone for any reason. At the end of the show, the faculty member with the highest point total will be named the reigning champion, defending her title against Nate, is two-time reigning champion Marie Stewart Harmon. It is now time for our second first pop quiz of the night. Our first pop (laughs) quiz is from Professor Molly McGill of English Language Arts. Molly, what word do you have for us tonight? Well, faculty, nice to see you again and again and again. (laughs) As you know, we kick this show off or re-record it with a word of the day. I'm going to, Fred, I'm going to give them a word of the day. They're going to give you an answer. It might not be great, but it might be mind-blowing. And at the end of it, you're going to tell me which one you like the best and give points dependent on that. Okay, faculty, let's see if you've been studying. Today's word of the day is bug loss. Bug loss? No Googling. Go ahead, Nate. Uh, Well, uh, 
I can hear myself now. Um, <clears throat> so bug gloss <laughs> is a new natural form of lip gloss. Uh, it You use it like lip gloss. It goes on your lips. Uh, it makes them glossy. And uh, it's made out of bugs. Mm. Yeah. Well, science at its best. Thanks, Nate. You're uh, welcome. Randy. Uh, well, bug loss is actually a new, uh, it's a new methodology of, um, of, of getting rid of bugs. Uh, you know, we used to have those, those bug lights and they would zap the bugs and, uh, mm -hmm. it, it just, it's, that's not, that's not nice. So they've come up with a better way to do it. And it's actually a newer word. It's like, it's a brand. It's not even, you know, it's not a dictionary word. It's a brand. So bug loss is, uh, bug loss ink. Hmm. Excellent. Can't wait to look at their website. Marie, what do you have? Um, bug loss is actually a brand new, you've, you've seen people getting pedicures and there's a little fish cleaning their feet. Bug loss is a new form of flossing. So instead of you having to do any work with, with a piece of string yourself, you just Open wide, and the buggos just get on in there and get all the things in your mouth that you want out. It is bug floss. All right, that's all right. hygienic. And Bob, yes. So, bug loss, or as it was, uh, as it was originally pronounced, buglus, was uh, coined in the 1940s, particularly around the military camps and the training grounds for U.S. soldiers. Um, in the morning, when the bugler would go to play, uh, in if he could not find his bugle because it was stolen by a service member, he suffered from bugloss. Mm. That is just that not really sad. not nice phasing sometimes these groups. <laughs> okay, Fred, let's let's recap on these wonderful, wonderful answers. Wonderful. Um, we have Nate's. Lip gloss from a bug. We have Randy's humane bug removal. We have Marie's bugo floss. And we have Bob's bugle pranks. What do you think, Fred? <laughs> Who deserves the points in this? I think 13 all around in, in, in favor of our missing dimensional world. Uh... <laughs> Which is utterly unhelpful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I like it because I get points. I'm in. Excellent job. Yeah, like Excellent. Too. Excellent job, Fred. Um, faculty right. just shows that you have not been studying again. Um, Damn it. My disappointment in you is mediocre. Um, okay, Mom. So <laughs> bug loss actually is something that I think would be found in immersive audio entertainment, perhaps a character or villain or scary creature on some sort of sci-fi world, horror, X-Files perhaps. It is a variety of coarse, hairy plant. Ah, think Seymour. Boy. Yeah, think Seymour, but bigger. All right. Ooh. All right. Audrey fell into a pile of bungalows. Yes, Ooh, yeah. get me out of there. <laughs> Before we move to the next game, I will spin an opening icebreaker question for Fred from the Balderdash Randomizer. The spin will generate a random question that Fred will try to answer in a minute or less. These questions can be anything from work and play to general trivia. The icebreaker question 
Moxie, force of character or soft drink? That is so funny because there is a whole <laughs> Moxie scene in Dark Tome season three, including, I think one of my favorite exchanges in the entire show that is not horror, is about whoopie pies and whether or not there are pies or cake. But I digress. Um, I would consider <laughs> a, a, a rite of passage, but not necessarily something that bears up for repeat performance. It's a great answer. I disagree because I love it. <laughs> I will throw myself on that moxie grenade and have all of yours because that's a type of game. You can have all mine. I, I find it shocking, though, with all the hipster beer in Maine that no one has made a moxie porter. You can go. I. Ooh. Yeah, I was saying the same exact thing just the other day. And Alan I would be all over that. Stout. What is going on with these people? Where's their imagination? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's some cocktails, though. That is true. Our first game is called Four Questions. Fred studied film in New Orleans, and so in honor of our visiting professor, we have four questions about one of my favorite cities, the Big Easy. Again, whenever the faculty member gives the best, not the correct, but the best answer, Fred will award points. The first question, New Orleans is famous for their jazz funerals. What is notable about their burials? Marie, what do you have? Um, well, they do not have the problem of bugloss, bugloss there. Um, <laughs> all of these funerals are kicked off with a bugle. bugle um, it's, it's like the gathering. It's the funeral is beginning. The bugle announces. You can hear it throughout Nolens. And you, the bugle starts. You know the funeral is commencing. All right. The bugle blows so your party doesn't have to. Nate, what's your answer? Well, uh, the the big thing with this is that you don't necessarily have to be dead to be buried in the funeral. I mean, it starts with one dead person. Um, but if you don't participate when they're marching through, they'll just throw another person on there. And they're not going to make sure that you're dead, you know, um, which, of course, is why they're known for vampires. Because then those people, those live people that are buried on top of the dead people start crawling their way out. And it's just mass hysteria. All right. Interview with a pig pile. Molly, what's your answer? (laughs) Uh, Well, they're quite inspired by Death at Sea, where you would put your loved one, compatriot, pirate buddy out on the water, just like that, gently. Um, And they would float off. You light it on fire and, you know, Death at Sea, burial. So what they do is they, every night, they collect all the wounded soldiers that are kicking around, that people didn't finish their drinks. They pour it into this one specific spot. It creates a river of wounded soldiers where that is where the funeral ends. And then they set the burial casket afloat on the sea of wounded soldiers, set it alight, and sign it off. All right. Dead sea crowd surfing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> Randy, what's your answer? Oh boy! Uh, so uh, you know, uh, is it the king cake, right? Is that what the the New Orleans king cake? cake yeah. yeah. Uh, and there's like the little baby Jesus, and whoever gets that has g- good luck or something. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but uh, the the tradition is that uh, uh, they have one of those little baby Jesus, and they throw that in, you know, in the hole, and then they put the dirt on. So, you know, that's just how <laughs> all right. King Cake Baby Burial. So, 
Fred, we have uh, Marie with kicked off with a bugle. We have Nate with you don't have to be dead. We have Molly with Dead Sea Crowd Surfing, and we have Randy with King Cake Baby Burial. The answer <laughs> is they are buried above ground. Ah. So, so you can't dig because of the water line. So, so you can't dig so pedestrian because of the water line. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so Fred, how would you like to score? You know, I got I to give Marie nine points for that sort of almost vaguely like the second line though the trumpet not a bugle and i kind of like the dead baby <laughs> joke so i'll give you you know 18 <laughs> points to randy for that i'm just going wild how about uh i do think for molly we've had a you know pirate sub theme going all night so i think we're gonna give you around 30 points yes. for that and, you know, i, I kind of feel bad leaving you behind nate so we'll give you three <laughs> so well, very 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 social thank you thank you Question number two, New Orleans is named after what? New Orleans is named after what, Nate? Old Orleans. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that was the actual name. It wasn't just Orleans. It was actually called Old Orleans. Um, and so in order to make that make sense, they had to create a New Orleans. It wasn't going to be there. Um, but they like, we have to make sense of the old, so let's make a new thing all right new orleans 2 electric bayou molly what's your answer uh, i was actually named after a haunted spot of the was then territory uh it was the orleans and everybody would you know if it was a teenage rite of passage to be bet to stay overnight there and it was terrifying but everybody did it and if you didn't do it you're basically kicked out of the territory so what they did was they called the entire terry territory new orleans to scare off any sissies and scaredy cats that would move into town all right it was for frightening randy what's your answer uh well actually you know we all it's, it's new orleans but you know they call it nolens uh which actually uh was uh it came from north lens uh, which is uh, a special lens that uh, the sailors use as a nautical term uh, to help find that North Star. And, uh, you know, the guy that invented that was from that region. Uh, so they, they, they ran with it. All right. Okay. So the North Lens, Vikings had the Sunstone, New Orleans had the North Lens. Marie, what's your answer? Uh, the the old name, the original name for New Orleans was called Orlandia, um, but that was like very primitive, and it was actually the the first attempt at um, what they weren't called at the time hipsters by calling it New Orleans. Uh, they put a new, they rebranded it, and it was suddenly hip and cool, and like you can come in and public drink, and like it's all where the, the hipsters wanted to go. So um, they they ditched the old like folk folk like name of Orleandia and went with New Orleans. So contemporary. Or Orlandia. They they had a yeah. TV show with Fred Armersand about Orlandia. Yeah, it was <laughs> Orleandia. <laughs> All right. All right. So Marie with the uh, original Portland. So um <laughs> We have Nate with Old Orleans. We have Molly, haunted spot of the territory of uh, Orleans to scare others. We have Randy with the North Lens. And 
we we have Marie with the uh, French Louisiana hipster paradise. Uh, the correct answer is New Orleans was named after the Duke of Orleans. Hmm. So, Fred, how would you like to score? You know, the, the, that was that was that was. That was, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was hoping someone was going to go for Orleans and make some sort of like Tower of Pisa joke, and that just didn't happen. Um, uh... I, I would sixteen points for the originality. Um, All right. Welcome to our disappointment. So, uh, <laughs> the next question, we call it a sub. In Boston, it can be known as a hoagie. What is a sub called in New Orleans? Molly? A cat. It's called a cat. A cat. Because there are so many stray cats around uh, that they just were like, it's about yay size. Yay size. Because they're big. They're big and, and they're, they're plump subs. Um, and they often have things hanging out the end. So people would just call them a cat. What's up? You want to go get a cat? I'll go get a cat. Let's get a cat. It's cat. All right. Cat food. Randy, what's your answer? Uh, well, uh, it's actually, they call it a bus. Uh, because, you know, we were talking a few minutes ago about, uh, you know, the, the burials happening above ground. Uh, so instead mm-hmm. of a sub, they flip that around and it's a bus. So, you know, below yeah. ground, above ground, uh, sub bus. That's great. You can get it fresh at Busway. Marie, what do you have? Uh, it's called a Marine. Uh, they they were like, everyone else, everywhere else has subs. We're going to have Marines. Okay. Period. That works. <laughs> that works. Semper Phil. And uh, Nate, what do you have? Uh, bourbon sponge. Uh, <laughs> it's really just filler so that way they can drink more bourbon. All right. And that is why so Nate have, is winning. We have Molly with cat. We have Randy with bus. We have Marie with Marine. And we have Nate with the bourbon sponge. My new yep. word for a sandwich. <laughs> the yep. correct answer is po' boy. Fred, how would you oh, like yeah. to score? Sorry, bourbon sponge gets 100 points. <laughs> yeah. Holy yeah. hot potatoes. <laughs> It's, it's 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 so it just it really it's all of the yeah. yeah. in one word to have what are how many drinks let's get a bourbon sponge <laughs> let's get a bourbon sponge join uh, us for more recipes on balderdash academy <laughs> new orleans is known as the birthplace of jazz it is also considered the birthplace of what randy oh my goodness uh it is the birthplace of uh the uh the oak cask that is used for bourbon that's where it actually first started in the, in the united states all right all right yeah. so the birthplace of newly charred barrels marie what do you have uh alcohol poisoning <laughs> <laughs> That's where the first documented cases of alcohol poisoning are, and it was a treacherous time for them to figure out how to handle that. <laughs> All right. The state bird of Mardi Gras. Nate, what's your answer? Elton John. Uh, he was born there. Uh, it, it, he can, he's not technically American because he was born on a British uh, military base that's there, uh, hidden away in the bayou. <laughs> 
It's very small. <laughs> oh, man. All right. He's warmed All up. Right. Watch Good. out. <laughs> Goodbye, Bourbon Street. Molly, what do you oh, have? I don't. Beanie Babies. It is the birthplace of Beanie Babies because there's a whole heritage of crafters there. And everybody loves little baby Beanie Babies carry around with them to keep them company, especially when they get lost from the, the group that they're with. And this little Beanie Baby keep them company. So, And then they blew up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have Randy with oak cask for bourbon. We have Marie with alcohol poisoning. We have Nate with Elton John. We have Molly with Beanie Babies. The answer was poker. Wow. Huh. New Orleans is considered the birthplace of poker by some. Hardly nowhere. So, <laughs> Fred, how would you like to score? Uh, I, I, I'm going to give 25 to Molly for, for pure feistiness of response, if nothing else. Yes. <laughs> off. All right. So in this special pickup, our current points adjusted are myself with 13 points, Marie with 50, Randy with 64, (laughs) Molly with 109, and in the lead, Nate with 188 points. What the Nate. He's all warmed up. (laughs) Listening is cool and all, but watching gives you so much more. See the players' real-time reactions, flub-ups, and all the snark that intern Alan Smithy can dole out on the running commentary. Only at Balderdash Academy's YouTube channel. Welcome back to Balderdash Academy. We are here today with visiting professor and audio dramatist Fred Greenhalgh of Final Rune Productions. Fred is an audio writer, director, producer, and creator of The Dark Tome which the third season will drop on Halloween, The Cleansed, The Mayan Crystal, and A Fae and Fiends. He is passionate about bringing audio stories to life. His work includes Lock and Key and The X-Files for Audible and Expeditionary Force Homefront, which is listed on the New York Times bestseller list. He is uh, he's worked on set with David Duchovny, Jillian Anderson, Kate Mulgrew, Stephen King, and Zachary Quinto. If you are interested in the art of audio fiction, Fred runs Final Rune Academy, where he has a five-week free online course called So You Want to Make Audio Fiction. Links to all of Fred's work and his academy are available in the description. Fred, welcome to Balderdash Academy. Howdy, howdy, howdy. So, now, you started in the University of Southern Maine, then you moved your education to the University of New Orleans for film, right? You've written an ebook about filmmaking without camera. So, how much did your education and experience with film influence the audio aesthetic of your work? If I were to be honest, the time in New Orleans is foggy. No. Uh, <laughs> I think that's uh, what everybody who goes to New Orleans yeah, says. <laughs> there was education that was outside the classroom as well. <laughs> uh, Hard knock of life. No, but you know, back in those days, it was the early 2000s, and it was, it was uh, I didn't really realize this before I moved down. I, basically, I was in Maine, and I grew up, and it was cold, really cold, and I was like, I kind of want to get away from cold for a while. And it was like between 
uh, Miami, New Orleans, and California, and I chose New Orleans, which was the right choice. Uh, but they were <laughs> a lot of Hollywood movies were actually being shot down there, so I managed to score myself like a gig as dude holding the microphone seven. And uh, I really liked that experience of being on a production set, coming from a you know a fiction writing background, which is a, a, you know an extremely solitary craft, to like being with other people who like doing <laughs> things. And I never had gotten into like you know uh, stage theater, and so that was my first experience with production. And uh, you know, long story short, I ended up back in Maine, um, and uh, I don't know. It was the kinds of stories I wanted to tell weren't really possible with the kind of money meaning none that I had as a you know <laughs> graduating college student and so someone uh uh, uh Eric uh actually what the heck is Eric's last name um turned me on to like these old-time radio dramas um and I was like these things are freaking brilliant like why isn't anybody making them yes. and so it was like finally this like lightning bolt shot off that that you could use this sound recording technology to tell a story um and, and my first story was set in new orleans and i didn't realize it at the time but i had i was already starting to think in sound like to me the french quarter is the sound of uh, clopping hooves you know tourists barfing behind a bar somewhere and beer bottles scattering down the road while someone plays jazz and with those sound effects you can create that image in someone's head without uh you know at the flying drone with a big sweeping shot and the crane and the whole like bought the place closed the street down for the march of the blah 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 like five sound effects paints that picture on someone's imagination mm, absolutely yeah. do you find with what's going on right now uh that audiobooks and immersive audio entertainment is is just stepping up Oh in, yeah, in my listenership. The, it is. This is because. Well, okay. I was gonna. I was gonna answer that. I thought you were going somewhere different. That question. One of the things that's really funny is that, uh, like, Hollywood has sort of discovered that this exists again, uh, and I, I, like to the point where, like, I, I'm. I've been part of this uh, thing called Radio Drum Revival. Uh, yep. I originally started it as a showcase show for this type of work, and now it's um, with a new host, and it's in its thirteenth year, and. Uh, we've started wow. a drinking game whenever someone, quote, re invents audio fiction or audio movies or audio drama or pod is <laughs> the weekly one. And so it's like, yeah, take a shot whenever someone, you know, invents radio drama again <laughs> and finish your drink when someone comes up with the Netflix of podcasts. Um, but that's that's just me being glib. Like, what's it is delightful because... Uh, because so many of the visual forms of art are sadly shut down. I mean, it's horrific what's happening to arts and culture, but the, the shining part of it is that there is, you can create this type of work uh, asynchronously, remotely. And it, you know, it's certainly harder uh, before the call. We just talked about some of the shows we've worked on together where you might, we'd take actors out and shoot it like a movie, like record them on location that's harder to do, but you can, yeah, you can, you, you can record like a, for example, Dark Tone season three, the three lead actors are New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, and then an ensemble in Maine. And that is cool. And, and at first as being like the sort of the field recorded, very much liking to work with actors in studio in a very visceral way of recording. Uh, you know, what, uh, certainly I'll, I'll, I'll eat my own words. Like I, I, you definitely look down my nose at like people who, who recorded people in their apartments and, and did, you know, people have been doing remote recording 
since the internet's been around and I haven't loved how that has come out, but now that I've fully embraced it, it is a way of creating really cool stories uh, with a global talent pool, which is cool. Absolutely. Um, One of my very first experiences of like, uh, l- listening to a play was listening to Prairie Home Companion with my parents growing up. It was like part of our Saturday night thing. And then someday in Sunday afternoon. Um, and I remember like, there's this one guy and he plays Guy Noir, Private Eye. And he also plays this guy, but it's just the sounds of the environment. So, so that's like one of the very first things that's really sticking in my head. Of course, I've listened to plenty of things since then. What's the first thing you remember being like, Huh, that's... You know, I didn't know this. I didn't know what to call it, but I had the NPR Star Wars, which, uh, you know, if you're a child of the 80s, was a thing that was just in households, and it had, I think, uh, they had cassettes that had a follow-along book with some of the art and stuff, (sighs) and... I didn't know that to call that a radio drama, um, but it was, and I also think... Yeah, wow. Going back to, yeah, in the early 90s in a farmhouse in East Machias, we had a Peter and the Wolf record yes. that had oh, cool. storytelling and music on yes. it. So yes. those types of products have existed, and at some point people stopped, forgot what to call them. And then, yeah. you know, that's why, I mean, it's really funny because you know, everybody kind of like rediscovers and reinvents it because it's like, because we've sort of lost our connection as a, as a culture to to a continuity. It's like, it is kind of cool because it's like uh, you just—it's like you discovered that books existed at, in your thirties, and you're like, "Whoa, this is so cool!" And of course, you're not a press release; invented <laughs> it. But you're like, "No, you, it's been there. It's just we—we we don't have that connection." But yeah, but that's—I need to figure out how to get my hands on these Star Wars cassettes. They're I on YouTube. This. Someone, I, I have them. Highly, highly illegal, but they're on YouTube. <laughs> um, yeah, I have the entire—I have the entire series. On YouTube? I gotta borrow that. <laughs> so, and that Star Wars one in particular, there are scenes cool. in the audio drama that do not exist in the movie because That's they true. were cut yeah. before. But um, but they re-released so, it with new scenes, right? Completely. Yeah, yeah completely. Okay. And all of the scenes are CG, so the voices aren't even real. <laughs> They're all computer <laughs> generated. <laughs> so, and Jar Jar Binks. Yeah. So, like for me, um, but, but I mean, that, what I was what I was saying before I interrupted myself, which happened, was uh, <laughs> was such a dick to yourself. The uh, that abandonment of audio drama, audio comedy, the uh, audio narrative was really only abandoned in the United States, Europe, Britain. BBCs had them continually, and if it's you take true. a look at, yeah, I mean, look at. Uh, the classics for us that you have hitchhikers um mm-hmm. to modern you have um uh like cabin pressure that just finished its run with uh benedict cumberbatch which is absolutely hilarious so what do you think it, it was dropped off in the united states where it was continued in in britain like, what do you think might be the mechanics behind that? Oh, I mean, I I have a whole lecture on that one. Uh, <laughs> the short answer is that um, it has a lot to do with how media works in America. Essentially, the yeah. people who own the networks um, 
own the uh, equipment. So the reason that Radio Drama ever kind of existed in the first place was that um, they needed you to have a reason to buy a radio. So they needed to have something on the radio. So they they created content. And at a certain point, people bought radios and then they needed to still make content. And then, then they found that commercially sponsored ways was a way to, to monetize their content, just like podcasting. Very, very similar. Um, and then there was a, basically a point where like a new fancy, new shiny technology came along called television. And um, essentially, the networks assassinated radio drama. They basically said, this is the new shiny object. You're going to port to this medium or you're going to not work anymore. And, you know, mm. some people like Orson Welles uh, are better known for what they did in the visual medium, but they all started as radio artists and others. Some of the best people at the craft just never, uh, never found television, especially television at that era in terms of sophistication mm. of storytelling, yeah. wasn't you they could tell a bigger story on radio so in america it was an extremely deliberate you know it happened as a, a result of very very of market forces that still exist today and you know the way that uh europe chose to develop media mass communication was a bit different you know the sense of public like commercial radio stations didn't exist in britain i think at least till the 70s 80s thereabouts so uh, and I don't know when the BBC started exactly, but they've always had a much more significant buy-in and more robustly supported um, public system. Um, and that is starting to change because of their own stuff. And yeah, it's actually, it's interesting. I was uh, One of my last pre-COVID things was with a friend from the UK, um, Jack Bowman, who, who was, we kind of started around the same era together. And so we both have like, we were comparing notes, the U S versus the UK perspective, calling it the grass is always greener because it, cause the U S people are like <laughs> y'all over there in the UK, like you have this unbroken tradition and you have the BBC and if only America had what you had, we would be doing so great. And the UK people say our institutions are stale. Uh, like there are, <laughs> there are some brilliant uh, people such as like you know Dirk Mags and John Dryden who really work within that system but are sort of roguishly upset it but much of what is produced is sort of like of a certain kind of piece and you Americans mm -hmm. are so like innovative and you just you have no expectations you're doing crazier stuff with the medium than, than you are because you're just you have that whatever wild west mentality and so it's 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 ironic how um yeah the, the there there are pros and cons to the the respective tradition or lack thereof do you ever read something and think this this would make an amazing audio story oh yeah it's obituaries healthy sometimes yes <laughs> dramatically <laughs> dramatically <laughs> swallowed a candle whole oh lord <laughs> what, what is one thing that you wish that you could create or or are you more apt to just write your own I mean, that's where I'm at now. I mean, that's why I ever started was because I was, yeah, a fiction writer and then maybe filmmaker. And then it was like, oh, I can tell the stories in this new medium. So that's, I mean, doing Lock and Key, that was certainly like a uh, unbelievably wonderful thing to do and to inhabit that world for so long and to have such buy-in from, you know, Joe Hill as well as Gabe Rodriguez on that and the Audible team who, I'm going to say this, but like to this day, I'm like, I can't believe they kind of said yes. Because like, we, we were like, we want to do this 13 and a half hour epic thing recorded on location in a haunted house as like the one of the first big at bats for a multicast thing and they they were just like they saw the the vision and they went for it um so that's 
yeah, that was pretty cool. That's awesome. So, like, I know as as a playwright, we're often bound by the limitations of the reality of the production. There are just certain things you can't write in a play if you ever want it to get produced. Um, so, what limitations exist for you in audio? The limit does None. not exist. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, you, you obviously have your tool. Your, your toolkit is a different toolkit. You don't have the visual aspect. And I, and my sort of my my point counterpoint to that point is that uh, that is its greatest strength as well as its greatest weakness. But like you have like the human imagination to work with. So if you can effectively paint an image on someone's imagination, it's better than any visual image that you could construct with the seventy five VFX writers. Uh, people, not not writers, VFX people who make things go <laughs> shiny, and like like, like this, this this scene where someone's jumping and all the steps are falling as they're jumping, and there's like cities are imploding in a goo. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a tricky medium because like uh, you don't have glitzy special effects to distract people. Like if the story doesn't hold water, it just becomes poo. The poo ness of it, it becomes evident very quickly. Um, oh, take it. <laughs> you can also. You can also withhold information to a great effect, and that's there's a quote like um, you know Stephen King, and I forget in which of his his uh, like nonfiction books about horror writing says something about how much those 1950s era radio dramas scared the bleep out of him, and yeah. what in the way he talks about it is that like any movie you like at some point there's the big reveal and you see the monster and there's some amount of relief because he says instead of it, you open the door and you see a seven foot tall monster but in your imagination you thought it was a 10 foot tall monster so you're like whoo at least the monster is only seven feet tall and he yeah. says like you know in radio you never get the big reveal like you're you're if you if you can effectively conjure that monster it's as big as your poor brain can possibly mm-hmm. imagine it mm-hmm. being so i i i like that i mean and it i don't I don't quite mean to harp on horror, but that is kind of where the, a space that I tend to occupy. So it works really well for that because it's a, an, a medium where, uh, yeah, there's a long tradition of telling ghost stories around the campfire and, and passing, scaring each other with oral tradition. And the visual that you can create in your own head through your own terrifying imagination based on the sounds that you're hearing is probably scarier than anything that somebody could come up with and put on a screen for you to look at. Like, I know that the things that I like imagine up are always more scary than what I see on a screen. Um, and you have that beauty with, with radio and that like you're putting the images in people's head, but they get to actually paint the details of it. I mean, that's yeah, very cool. just, just have silence and then just like creaking slow footsteps. Yeah. You don't need to do anything else, <laughs> but you will scare the bejesus out of people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in fact, so yeah. I, I did this free online course that you mentioned earlier, Bob, and there was a uh, showcase of student work. So the whole point of it was that students would actually go through and make a show over the course of those five weeks. And one of those pieces of student work I really enjoyed had no dialogue. And it was mm-hmm. like a whole story. Soundscape. It, it, was, it was terrifying. It was, it was essentially a murder mystery, but with no words. And I was I was, I was Cool. Like, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. Speaking of terrifying. Oh, oh speaking of terrifying. Huh? How do you yeah, well, <laughs> huh, well, dumpster fire. How do you think <laughs> how do you feel? I mean, you've worked on the audio side of X Files, translating that into a to audio entertainment. How do you think that I 
Big fan of the show, by the way. Big fan of the show. How do you think that translated from television to the audio entertainment? It could be scarier. It was. No, it yeah. was tremendous fun. <laughs> yeah. um, it was interesting because both when we did Lock and Key and then X-Files, both of those predated any film, uh, any television stuff. And so this was before. It kind of ended up happening that the X-Files audio came out about the same time as the TV revival. And it was oh, no gratif- gratifying to see the fans who were like, we really like the audio. And yeah. but what they liked is that they're in, in feel, it was much more like kind of the classic X-Files TV. So it had kind of those monster of the week episodes and whatnot um mm-hmm. this isn't actually quite the answer to your question but i what i really enjoyed there was a moment when we were working with jillian and you know f- her physical appearance that day did not look like scully at all like her hair <laughs> color was not red and she was and she was i don't know it was you know she lives in london and it's like a totally different setup but like um like listening to the monitors you're like I see you in my head and you are exactly, exactly that person. And that that part I really, really enjoyed. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was fun. There was a, there's a, in the first, there's like a kind of the way the audio is structured. It's essentially feels like a season of the X-Files, but in audio. And one of the ones has these aliens that kind of all polymorph. And and, and there's like a one who's like a shape, it's a little minor spoiler, but there's a, yeah, shape-shifting one who changes identity a bunch of times. And like, some of those transitions are scary as hell because you're like, nice. Hey, you Fox Mulder. I'm actually not your friend. I'm terrified right now. <laughs> the power of sound. You mentioned some of the classic radio shows that that inspired you, right? So for me, some of my favorites were, were like The Shadow or Gangbusters, Fibber, Fibber McGee and Molly. Different Molly. Um, <laughs> uh, and then even even thinking like later on, we, earlier before the show, we were talking about um, Stephen King's The Mist that came out in 89, 90, that audio. Um, even Jeff Wayne's crazy War of the Worlds disco <laughs> like influenced me even as a writer, the way that I think of stories. So what are some of the ones that stand out for you? Uh, I love... Well, first off, obviously Orson Welles, but he, I, I like to go deeper. I mean, everybody's heard of War of the Worlds to the point where it's like such a trope that it's like almost like, please stop talking about that show. But <laughs> um, some of his like lesser known work is really, is really fantastic. And, you know, and, and just like the amount of space that artists like that were given to make their thing. Cause it was, you know, at the time it was well-funded and they, and 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 like 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 entertainment today, the executives had no idea how to actually make anything. They just had to like <laughs> throw money at people who seemed to be able to and hope for the best. And you got to see them do some really wacky stuff. And so um, yeah, that happened. And there, uh, I'm gonna forget. Obviously, suspense. But there's another one, um, Inner Sanctum. The, I mean, the thing on the Forble board like holds up. Like on, on there's some. I've still thought about. I, I did a project with a local theater company here in Maine, Madhorse Theater, uh, ten, more than 10 years ago now, doing some old-time radio uh, adaptations on location. And one I've thought about revisiting is the thing on the Forble board and, and sort of updating it for, like, the era of, like, fracking and, and tar sands or something. Because there's, like, a... It's not really an intentionally environmental message, but it's sort of in there, and there's this horror, and it's, like... Yeah, it, it holds yeah. up. Um, Bradbury's Mars is Heaven holds up. I mean, yeah, if you like Ray Bradbury, like you should, 
and you don't know about old time radio, like you have this whole dimension to your favorite author that you don't even know exists because he he adored radio and was on it a lot. So, yeah, there's a lot of really good spooky stories. Um, and the and the CBC, uh, I forget what exactly it's called. Oh, I have people who beat me up for forgetting. But the CBC <laughs> had a really good um, horror series, I think, in the eighties. Golden Girls uh, and. and it, Golden Girls, yes. <laughs> yeah. The Arthur. Yeah. Horror series. Oh, so, um, to finish us off, uh, who do you like to listen to now? What series do you yeah. gravitate towards listening to now? There's a lot of great stuff coming out as podcasts. Um, it's super exciting to see. There, it's becoming a more inclusive medium. You know, frankly... It was like the dominated space of uh, white engineering geeks uh, earlier on, yeah. and that's become a more inclusive space. Is like, and, I, and especially like as podcasting has become a bigger thing. Um, and I, I think obviously Serial revealed to a lot of the world that could happen, but then there was like shows like Welcome to Night Vale that just put yes! this yes. kind of show on the map for a lot of people. And sorry, Marie, but to, to, to go back to something you said earlier, I was so grateful the day that someone said, oh, you make stuff sort of like Welcome to Night Vale instead of uh, Garrison Keillor is like their most closest <laughs> reference. Like, yeah, yeah. It's not really like Garrison Keillor. Garrison Keillor <laughs> no, it's not. No, no. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, and so there's like there's some really cool stuff happening. Um, you know, Moonface by James Kim came out over the last year. Uh, Passenger List, who's what by one of my favorites, John Dryden, but he he did this team up with um, Lauren Tripp and writing and some others. And of course, I could not not say my mentor and idol Dirk Mags just released Sandman based on, you know, the Neil Gaiman and it is masterfully done on every level. I mean, you, you look about that, they were talking about, they've been trying to yeah. get that project made for 30 years oh, and wow. it finally got made and they, and, and they both are expressing how, how they're glad it happened now because audio is so much more sophisticated and, yeah. you know, the level of resources that they had and the kind of cast they could have, versus 30 years ago is just so much does so much better justice to that to that series. i have and it five is, hours yeah. left of it <laughs> it's it is so good it just delivers on every yeah. level and I, that's what i love that that yeah. particular partnership like dirk is you know the the best at the craft and neil is neil yeah and it just hits every note and you're like this is what can be achieved in this medium so I, that's like that's yeah. kind of like i'm hopeful I, and i and i think just that existing has opened up doors for me or just opened up people's yeah. imagination that this that yeah. this can be a form of art and entertainment taken seriously as its own and not sort of like a a lesser cousin to TV and film. Because I think yeah. that's definitely yeah. been, there's a certain amount of like, uh, I don't know, Hollywood cynicism about, about it to some extent of like, yeah. oh, podcasts are sort of this lesser thing. But now I think podcasts mm -hmm. and things you can make in sound are, are starting to actually be taken seriously yeah. as an art form of their own, which is super totally. exciting. Totally. People are addicted to podcasts. Loving them. Yeah. Yeah. And Gaiman, I know, I Gaiman led the charge with the full cast audio recording of the Graveyard Book. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. yeah. And when you want to talk about, I can, I, I will listen to uh, Neil Gaiman read the phone book if he's, I have the opportunity. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, he's brilliant as a reader. He's one of my favorite authors. Um, you've worked with my other favorite authors. So this is kind of cool, right? It's like one degree of separation. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Screw you, Kevin Bacon. Stephen King, Joe Hill, and Neil Gaiman are my triumvirate. 
They're they're who I always gravitate towards. And maybe it's because growing up in New England, you know, Stephen King is is a birthright. Um, mm-hmm. Joe has that being a comic book guy. Heart shaped box is brilliant. Yeah, 20th yeah. century ghosts, Nosferatu. There, there's some horns. There's some of my favorite novels. The fireman Goosebumps. was brilliant. I was in tears. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, I've always wondered though, like how uh, creating that, um, the whole production, how, how starting it and producing it and like, what's your first step with that? Is it, is it working on the script? Do you have an idea and then you go for the idea or do you work backwards where somebody comes to you with an idea and then you build it? How does a collaboration work? Yeah, I, I do a lot more pitching than I would like to have to do. That's <laughs> the least fun part. Yeah. I mean, no, it's kind of fun. But um, yeah, I mean, I'll skip to the fun part. So on something like Lock and Key, right? Like, I, 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 I like you. I love Joe Hill's work. And it was like, and like someone, we heard that Audible was like interested in, in exploring things outside of audiobooks. And it was like the most bold daring thing we could possibly dream to ask uh, yeah. and actually we didn't we didn't quite ask what we did uh is we joe was at a reading in portsmouth new hampshire and we sort of like and we saw him and he was like hilarious there was, we did this pulled this prank with a severed ear a fake severed ear that my <laughs> my late friend and co co-conspirator bill dufries came up with this prank of giving joe hill a severed ear and said thanks for and we gave him like a stack of cds and said thanks for lending us an ear um, we, sort of, we sort of pitched him this idea and he was like oh that sounds cool yeah of course uh, just you know have your people talk to my people but then we use that sort of like tiny little interaction to go to Audible like Joe Hill's really excited we got to do this da, da, da. and we kind of like just built that excitement and but then you know we did have a vision of it you know and I think you know when you get a taste for sort of audio storytelling whether it's an idea that pops into your own head or like something you think as an adaptation would work I don't know, it just sort of, something ignites inside of you and you start, it starts coalescing and you definitely start, like for me on the comics projects I've worked on, and it it is sometimes hard because it kind of distracts from enjoying the graphic novel as a graphic novel experience when I'm starting to like imagine like, would this work? Would this work? Just read the damn book. (laughs) Um, But like it does start to happen that way and sort of this producer brain comes on and you can sort of like start hearing the images, um, you know, maybe, maybe a, did have psychedelics or something at some point, but there's some, there's some, there's some like, you know, whatever miswire that starts happening. And then, yeah. And then you kind of go from there. And at some point you do need a script, but it kind of starts from being able to kind of, you know, just visualize how something will sound and you're, and you're watching a movie. Like I have a friend who's a you know film director and he says he sees the movie, he sees the movie in his head and he's just trying to like use the technology to make it. And so it's the same thing with audio. You just, the images are different images, but it's essentially the same thing. You're, yeah, you're, you're just, yeah. And then, yeah, you need a script. You know, these other things, you need actors to inhabit your world, all that, but it kind of comes from some spark of flame that gives you this make-believe land that you can vi- can visualize. It's the desire to tell stories. So basically you just get to be a kid all the time. It's yeah. Fun. <laughs> um, I, and I, I, my, my daughter's eight and her birthday this year uh, got her a small field recorder and she's been recording, you know, the stories of Mr. Boom 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 and, and the that broomstick lady. Dude, don't get me started with the broomstick lady. She is freaking <laughs> creepy. And there's also this clown on our property. These are the 
characters that his seven-year-old daughter, se- seven-year-old daughter has created. Yes. yes, the broomstick yeah. lady and the crazy clown and Mr. Um Boom Boom and Mr. Um Boom Boom will like lock you in the. It's on SoundCloud. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I don't know how. <laughs> and Molly, it's like she's your girl's age. <laughs> if you, I don't yeah, think she's yeah. fraternity test. It's clear she's <laughs> taking after a daddy's footsteps, right in horror. Yeah. So, yeah. join us <laughs> as we return for our steam pop quiz and lie lie again, only on Balderdash Academy. Go Dashers! <laughs> whoop whoop. Welcome back to Balderdash Academy. Our scores are myself with 13 points, Marie with 50, Randy with 64, Molly with 109, and in the lead, Nate with 188 points. Can can I just start and and give you like 13 points, Bob? Because I feel so bad every time you say you're you're (laughs) in the place. And you also asked uh, really good interview questions, so so I. <laughs> um, well sure, yeah, I'll take whatever you give. That's great. So, <laughs> oh, where'd my mouse go? Where'd my mouse go? All right, <laughs> it is time for our second pop quiz. This pop quiz is from the head of Steam, Professor Nate Green. Nate, what do you have for us? All right. Thanks, everybody, for coming back here. Uh, It's been a long hour, uh, or however long, (laughs) I don't even know. Um, So, I don't know if you know this person. I'm going to explain a little bit about him, but it's Stephen Hawking. I don't know. Little little guy. uh, Sounds familiar. Not figuratively, but yeah, he's... he's, uh, Anyway, he was born January 8th, 1942, uh, was a theoretical physicist and a cosmetologist, um, and he passed away very Cos- recently. Cosmetologist. <laughs> did he I say cosmetologist? Yes, you did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that about him. Cos- I'm learning so much tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alan is going to have a field day with this. You're yeah. right. Cos- cosmologist. Here, is Sorry, it cosmologist? Cosmologist. <laughs> okay. yes. the, what, the bad thing is I couldn't even think. I'm like, yeah, I said that. Why? Just, anyway, <laughs> my point is, is he's dead and he's not going to make fun of me about it like you guys. So uh, <laughs> he died on March 14th, 2018, after, uh, mm-hmm. you know, struggling with ALS for about 50 years. Um, now, what Stephen Hawking was able to do is he was able to show uh, that black holes emit radiation, which can be detected through this radiation that is put off by them. Um, weirdly enough, the radiation is actually called Hawking radiation. I just, I don't know, coincidence? I don't know, maybe aliens. Um, on June 28th, 2009, Stephen Hawking had a party. So, the world was invited. The invitation went out to everybody, um, but only a few were actually allowed in. So my question to you is, why did the, this Stephen Hawking throw this fabulous shindig? And who came? Uh, Marie. This was 11 years before the horrible COVID-19 epidemic of 2020. Um, but 
Stephen Hawking was a very, very smart man, and in a premonition or in a dream, he premonized that he needed to make sure premonize. It's a real word. I believe it. Um, that, <laughs> I'm not one <laughs> to judge. Molly next week um, that he needed to make create his own personal social bubble of his trusted people. So yes, the invitation went out to the entire world, but uh, 12 hours before the, 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 the start time of the party, Stephen Hawking was like, I'm sorry, just my own social bubble people, please. So it was just his own social bubble. Um, uh Yeah. So it was a bit of a plastics thing. It's like, you know, hey, everybody, we're here, but only us matter. But oh, yes, precisely. Yeah. Yes. That makes sense. Excellent. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, yeah. Now, um, Molly, uh, can you tell me what this party was for and who came? I sure can. I sure can. Uh, I did see the invite. I wasn't able to go. Don't know uh, if I would have been let in because uh, I hadn't been lifting weights at the time. But the party was actually for his moving uh, party. He was moving apartments um, from the brownstone to the brimstone. (laughs) Um, And so he said, you know, pizza and beer on me. Everybody come. And move my couch because I can't do it, but I'm really smart. And I will tell you how to fit that couch up that hallway and in the doorway so it fits. Uh, so, hallway, it was a okay. pivot, pivot. so, I mean, it was a, it was so you're saying his party was more of a trick uh, to get people to help him move. <laughs> No, 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 no. It's not a trick. It's a, it's a cultural norm. I mean, if you're ever, if you've ever moved, I mean, it's like the, the host is like, I'll buy the beer and pizza. Yeah. Help me move. I, yeah. Established. Okay. Uh, We can call that a party. Um, (laughs) Now, Bob, um, what was this party for and uh, who, who came? So who came? A number of people came. Uh, He specifically had it so that he could physically turn people away. Send people away. (laughs) But who he did let in was confusing for some. At the end, it made sense. He let in Ethan Hawke, and he let in Bruce Willis. And uh, they had a secret meeting. At the end of the night, they left. It turns out what he was doing was assembling a group of Hawks. Ethan Hawke, (laughs) and of course, Bruce Willis played Hudson Hawke. And this was enough to combine it together into one organization that to this day is still very secret. Birds of a feather flock together. Fly mm-hmm. together. Flock. Anyway. All of the above. Randy, um, <laughs> what was this party and, and who did, who came to uh, Professor Hawkins' party? Well, uh, you know, Stephen Hawking was uh, one of the most brilliant people of our time. Uh, and you don't get into a position like that without... Um, you know, people to help you along the way. So uh, it was actually not a celebration about him, but it was a celebration about the people uh, that were his, his mentors uh, and teachers, you know, all through the years uh, to, to, to thank them for, you know, helping him get to, you know, realize all of these fascinating things. So uh, it's less about him and and more about people that helped him along the way. That's great. Let ever let the world know that this is happening, and these are the people who helped me become who I am. Mm, That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, now you guys are all very, very, very close. 
relatively speaking. Um, but before we get into see that science joke there. Uh, before we get into the uh, the real answer, um, how would you like to award any points here? So we have uh, Marie's. Uh, you know, these are the social cool people. Bubble. Social bubble. Yeah. Um, we have Molly's um, moving party. That's what I was, yeah, moving, moving party. party. Like, I got to fit this couch up. and Right, and he actually yep. let in is just the cast of the Avengers. I forgot to mention who he let in. So it was just the cast of the yep. Avengers because they're all really... That's who good. moves for him? Yeah. <laughs> Wish I was there. Um, and then we had uh, Bob with... Um, but, but, yes, your bot, yours was so good, so good. I'm gonna. What was that? That's how secret the organization is. You can't even remember. I can't. Hawk, hawk down, hawk, hawk. down. Right, uh, birds of a feather hawking <laughs> together. Um, they had hawk tails. Yeah. Yep. And Randy's. Thank you for being a friend uh, and a mentor party. Um, Love the gold girls. So who would you, you like? Another one. Wow! Wow! Um, what do we do with this? I feel like the correct <laughs> answer is 42. That is true. The yes. correct answer is 42. And I, I yeah. think yeah. I'm, I'm going to, um, I'm going to award it to Bob because he was, he had specificity. He was, he had the, he had the vision of who was actually in this party mm-hmm. to like two, two mm-hmm. specific individuals, small party. I don't know. 42 I mean, is three, appropriate. Three, three is, three is, three is a crowd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and forty two yeah. is appropriate because I have my towel handy. <laughs> so, um, so you're all like I said, relatively you're you're spot on. Relatively, um, what the actual thing was uh, was, as I said, he had the party on June twenty eighth, two thousand nine. The invitation was released to the world on June 29th, 2009, one day after the party. <laughs> um, That's amazing. And the invitation stated, and I quote, uh, you are cordially invited to a reception for time travelers hosted by Professor Stephen Hawking <laughs> to be held in the past at the University of Cambridge, Gonville, and Caius College, Trinity Street, Cambridge. It also had the latitude and longitude uh the yesterday's <laughs> date on it, June 28th. And uh, there was a very, um, there was a disclaimer on it that wasn't necessary, but he put it on there that said no RSVP required. Um, <laughs> and it was a real. Uh, I don't mean to leave abruptly, but I, I've got a party to get to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. We're, we're recording. <laughs> Oh, you're back. Um, uh, <laughs> was a little, guys missed out. The, yeah, the internet. <laughs> it's like a glitch. Uh, but it's interesting. If you watch the documentary Into the Universe, you can actually see that he ordered, because um, Stephen Hawking was a big champagne guy, uh, he ordered 10 bottles of Kurg champagne, uh, and he had plates of hors d'oeuvres out. Um, nobody really touched them. They, there was a lot of leftovers. <laughs> oh man even scientists have a sense of humor mm-hmm. all right that'd be really rude to stand up Stephen. i know there are <laughs> I know. there are theories out there actually that that say this is why they didn't come to the party so there are people out there oh, saying sure. yes time travelers exist but 
it's it's like, hey, I'm a rabbit. There's a carrot in a trap. Am I supposed? They got to, stuck yeah. on the edge of the flat Earth. So yeah, exactly. it's time <laughs> for our minute or less question. Fred, the randomizer asks. What are you curious about right now? Is Marie wearing shoes? Oh, I was thinking the same thing. Kind of. Oh! There it goes. <laughs> kind of. All right, you're good. It's 14 seconds. It's great. All right, our next game is Lie, Lie Again. I will read a weird or unusual fact about a select member of the faculty. This statement can be the truth, or it can be a lie. Our visiting professor and fellow faculty members may question the subject to better understand whether or not the statement is the truth or a lie. Either way, the subjects must convince everyone that the unusual fact is true, no matter how absurd it sounds. Our statement... Now, we all have done really strange things for side gigs. Some of us have dressed up in pirates and killed me. Um, <laughs> others make fun of them, like make a fool out of themselves on stage. Marie once filmed a commercial in a blizzard. Isn't that right, Marie? Like, like from Dairy yes. Queen, like a gigantic. <laughs> well, there's our first question for Marie. Were you up to your neck in smoothie? <laughs> I wish. Um, no, it was not for Dairy Queen. Um, and the day did not start in a blizzard, but it ended in a blizzard. And I had to drive, I think it was like three hours in like the worst snow. It was squalling, squalling around my tiny little Scion XD front wheel drive through the Kangamangas yes. Mountains. It was terrifying. What What month was it? Uh, it was December. June. All right. Truth. <laughs> it's the truth. She is not lying. I was last month. So December. December. All right. Yes. Yes. Any other questions for Marie? Blizzard. Uh, what was the commercial for, of course? Uh, it was for um, Cold Snap Beer, uh, Sam Adams. Uh, this sounds very familiar to the red little red Robin Hood. <laughs> Lila, little red again, Robin Hood? <laughs> yeah. the, angry, the angry orchard side of things. That's a crime story I want to read, right? <laughs> Little Red Robin Hood. <laughs> oh, coming to a theater near you. A podcast near you. <laughs> but it sounds awfully familiar it to the like last Lie Lie Again you did. Which was a lie. Which, was it? I can't remember. Yeah, it was. Because <laughs> <Okay. laughs> right. apple trees aren't 25 feet, you know, yeah, apart. that's right. <laughs> I think that they are. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so right, what was your part? Question for Marie. What was your part in the commercial? Tell me about what you filmed, what you did. Who are you with? Um, I did two different shoots. Um, one of them was uh, in a uh, ski gondola going up and down the mountain, um, where we were just sipping Sam Adams on the gondola. Um, there were, I think, four of the Sam Adams like employees the people who were running the shoot um and then me and two other hired actors um 
And so the first shoot was going up and down a gondola, which was fun. Um, I was in full on ski gear. I don't ski. So I was like, I don't know how to even walk. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, this, I was not wearing skis, but I was wearing like the boots and the snow pants and the hat and the goggles. And um, like I, it was, it was a lot on my small body. Um, and then the second shoot that we did was at a little, um, like a, like a cabin with a hot tub. Um, and it, that's when it started to actively blizzard. Um, they actually had considered renting a, uh, like a snow machine. Um, but then they checked the forecast and it was actually supposed to blizzard. They did not tell the actors that there was a blizzard on the, on the, uh, and I had already agreed to do it and uh, like had like booked my hotel. And, um, so I had to do it. Um, and so there's, I'm in a hot tub with strangers sipping cold snap beer, uh, in a full on blizzard. Did that answer all of your questions, Mom? You <laughs> Any other questions from Marie? This, this mountain with the gondola. What was what was the mountain? What was the ski area? Oh God, what was it called? Um, I can't remember what the mountain was called. I, I can't remember. And how long ago? <laughs> uh, it was in December. Um, this past December, December twenty nineteen. Yeah, yeah. When, uh, around that time you had some surgery on your feet, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Uh, it was, was shortly, that? it was two months before that. Yes. I had, um, yeah. my right bunion surgery in, oh my God, I, there's a whole third, third section of this. Yes. So, um, <laughs> of course there's a third um, Yes. There's a bunion section. I, I had, yes, I had had surgery on my right foot and I was in a boot. Um, and my agent knew that. And, um, when they sent out the call, they said there was actually going to be a scene in the, like, by the fire in the cab, like the, Inside the resort, Inside, yeah. I'm doing this because the the resort was behind me, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, it was all about how somebody got injured on the gondola and um, was like, "Well, it's at least there's cold snap." Um, mm. So I actually have my. They used my ski boot, my um my the boot that I used for my surgery. How did you? How are you in a hot tub with that on? I was not wearing the boot for the hot tub part. Oh, you could take it off. <laughs> I was mostly healed. Yeah, I was mostly healed at that point. Um, and when I was walking through the actual snow, I had snow boots on because walking in that boot would have been very dangerous. I was healed up enough at that point um, to be walking, but it was treacherous. Clarify. So the premise of this commercial is that you go skiing and your friend is like hauled off by ski patrol after he plummets off of a gondola because of unsafe <laughs> conditions. And then you all drink beer in a hot tub afterwards. That is precisely what happened. <laughs> Brilliant. You nailed it. But at least there's cold snap. <laughs> all right. We black out. We won't remember what happened to our friend. Yes. You've, uh, <laughs> you've heard the questions. Now let's hear your conclusion, Nate. Is it true or is it a lie? I don't I thought I had her when she said the date and then she like exploded with a, oh my gosh, I remember this. So I think it's true. <laughs> Either that or All she right. really got me. Molly, what's your answer? Ah, Marie. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to go 
with True because <laughs> the little red riding hood, did I say it right that time? One was <laughs> a lie. And I know you do a lot of acting and it sounds plausible. <laughs> Randy, is it the truth or is it a lie? Well, I, I have to say, I have watched every episode of the show, and I know that Marie is a really good liar. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's true. Very convincing. Uh, so I'm going to be probably the odd one out here, and I'm going to say she's lying. All right. Fred, you have Nate with the truth, Molly with the truth, Randy with a lie. What do you? What's your take on it? I don't know, Randy. You just—I just disrupted the space-time continuum there. I—I was utterly <laughs> convinced from the first moment where she said she was like hanging on to dear life with a scion, but she's also probably, you know, being in New England can conjure these details. And I don't know—is there in fact a Sam Adams cold snap beer? Like that is there that is, is a, there is. There's okay. I—I I, I do think it's true though. All right, so we have Nate with the truth, Molly with the truth, Randy with a lie, Fred with a truth. Marie, what's the story? <laughs> yes, I I have done this. I did do this on December 18th of last year. Um, I, it was Bretton Woods. <laughs> I looked up the location. Bretton Woods um, in the Kangamangas Mountains. In the pit. Can you see my screen right now? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, okay, so that picture on the left is the beginning of the day, um, and the picture on the right is the end of the day, and that is very real snow. I have never been more scared driving in my entire life. Um, I was obviously committed to do this shoot. They were depending on me to be there, um, and I had to be in Bath, Maine the next morning, and so there was literally no getting out of it, and um, I made it but it was really, really scary. But hey, I got, um, I was in a hot tub <laughs> drinking beer right beforehand, cause that's safe. To see the photo and video that Marie is talking about, visit our YouTube channel, link in the description. Look how cute you are. You're so cute. <laughs> that's, there's just, who insures these things? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I did get to the point where I um, just put water in the beer bottles because I was like this. I'm also not an idiot. And I didn't actually hitchhike drunkenly to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fred, how would you like to score? Uh, you know, I'm going to give 37 points to Randy for being gutsy enough to say that was a lie. Yes. All yeah, right. That's well deserved. Yeah. 37 yeah. points. So, that's the end of our first half. Our scores are Marie with 50 points. First to worst. <laughs> myself with 68, Randy with 101, Molly with 109, and in the lead, Nate with 188 points. Join us when we return with Professor Randy Hunt and Mask Charades, only on Balderdash Academy. Go Dashers! <laughs> Meet the characters of Balderdash County in Balderdash Academy Teacher's Lounge. 
You've heard the game show. Now you can go behind the scenes as you meet the students and faculty of our fine school. Unlock the mysteries of the centuries-old buildings or even go outside the school grounds to meet the denizens of the village of Balderdash. Character, comedy, and mystery abound in Balderdash Academy Teacher's Lounge every other Wednesday on your favorite podcast service. We All Have a Story is a podcast dedicated to learning more about the folks around us, one person at a time. We'll chat with accountants, bus drivers, entertainers, novelists, beekeepers, piano tuners, booksellers, artists, and more. Check out We All Have a Story using your favorite podcast app or service. Welcome back to Balderdash Academy. Our points are... In last place, we have Marie with 50 points. Next is myself with 68, Randy with 101, Molly with 109, and Nate with 188 points. That marks our next quiz with computer technology. I am pleased to introduce Professor of computer technology, Randy Hunt. Randy, what do you have for us? Well, I've got a great question for you. Uh, uh, So, I'm just going to get right to it. Uh, Engineer Shane Whiten has a YouTube channel called Stuff Made Here. He recently built a robot during the COVID-19 pandemic that would do what task for him? (laughs) And let's start with uh, Molly. Oh, thank you so much for starting with me. He built um, a robot during the pandemic to help him safely transport his groceries from the grocery store to his house. See, he lived about a block and a half away, and he had a a whole like video monitor system on it, so he could actually see what the robot was doing and control it from the safety of his own house, so he didn't need to interact with other people. So this robot was a grocery getter. A grocery getter, that's a a good answer. Grocery getter, good answer. Great. Good answer. Uh, how about uh, Nate? Uh, well, with the, with the coronavirus going on, toilet paper's in short supply. A lot of people are installing bidets like uh, into their toilets. He thinks that's gross. So he invented a robot that will wipe his butt for him. <laughs> yes. Because bidets, bidet in his opinion, <laughs> is gross. So he now has a personal butt wiping assistant. It's not a pleasant. Humiliating. Nope. <laughs> yes um this wonderful creator um has aged parents he has parents in their 80s um and he has been sticking really really firm to making sure that they stay safe in their homes but he desperately desperately wanted to give them a hug so he built this robot that would hug people for him. It is a Aww. very soft and pillowy robot. It is not your the vision that you have of metal metal parts moving. It is a warm and comforting. It feels a lot like a mom hug. Aww. He built a robot for hugging. Mom bot. Yeah. That's mom bot. Wow, Bob, you want to take a stab at this? Yeah, I remember reading this article. I thought it was brilliant. It was inspiring. Um, What he ended up doing was being concerned with the lack of masks worn in public. He built a Terminator-style robot called BallistaBot. The (laughs) BallistaBot would march down the street firing masks, adhesive masks, 
onto people's faces. Um, he got the idea watching his son play with maxi pads and the fact that they can basically stick to anything. So mm. with a little bit of modification, the next thing you know, long distance mask wearing from Ballista Bot was a thing. So maxi pads. Maxi pads, yeah. Maxi pads. <laughs> Coined here. <laughs> All right. Well, we had uh, Molly with the uh, the grocery getter uh, robot. Uh, Nate with the hiney wiping. Uh, <laughs> Marie with the ultimate hug robot. And Bob with the uh, mask gun. Which I think should be a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> Masky pads for everyone. Masky yes, pad yes. launcher. <laughs> I'm just envisioning like Spider-Man swinging around, masking everybody's mouths up now. <laughs> with, like, mas- Oprah's like, and you get a masky pad, and you get a masky pad, and you get a masky pad. Wait, we do points first, is that right? Fred, how would you like to add? Like the, the, there is some brilliant material all around, but I, I think the world does need more hugs, so I'm going to give 36 to Marie. I was kind it does of thinking need that more we, hooks. We, yeah, it does. I do. I do think you, you, you know, ever so on, on the, like the horror theme of the evening, like it might have been like, "Let me hug you and hug you and hug you." <laughs> well, the happy hugs. There was no. Um, there was some prototypes that that were in construction first, and he did not. He tested those on his kids first before he sent those over the the real robots over to his parents. Yeah, he just was for people who'd go in the grocery store without the masks, and then you send them the squeezer. Hug them again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> malfunction. Malfunction. Thanks, Fred. <laughs> oh, excellent. Uh, those are all great answers. Uh, none of them right. Uh, <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Shocker. So uh, I think, you know, most of us uh, are dealing with this issue. Sorry, Bob, uh, you might not be. Uh, but he built a robot to cut his hair. Uh, and, and I'm not talking like buzz clippers. This guy built a robot that would grab your hair and then scissor cut it and then work its way around. Yeah, I wow. I tried it last week. <laughs> it did a great Works job well. with mine. <laughs> I want to see this haircut. This does not sound safe. So here's the whole haircut from start to finish. Heads up, I look completely insane in this time lapse. I've That's seen impressive. Like I've seen pictures of quarantine haircuts out there. Um, have you seen a, like a final product? Like, would you say it matches up with somebody's do it at home, like self quarantine haircut, or is the robot better? Actually, going back to cosmetology school, I guess. <laughs> with, with Stephen Hawking. <laughs> he, he did have his wife uh, touch it up a little bit after. Okay. Uh- Dude, this uh, sounds like a horror movie. Seriously, though, like scissors yeah, and the robot. Like, did he had some glitches. Your haircut so, is complete. Would Ed- you like a hug? Was it named Edward Scissorhands? <laughs> oh, bam, bam, bam! For those, for those at home, I do cut my own hair. And for those in the uh, listening to the podcast, check out the website. You'll get the joke. So. <laughs> it's time for our minute or less question, Fred. Okay. Would you rather have invisibility or flight? Oh, crap. 
Um, <laughs> trap! <laughs> trap! <laughs> I think I'm going invis- to camp invisibility. Camp invisibility. Okay. Speaking of the X Files, <laughs> hmm. that's a tough question. It is a tough question. I think that's the hardest question we have in in, in mm-hmm. minute or less, right? So, our next game is called Mask Charades, and yes. Nate, yes. could you send yes. a message Hi. to Fred? As I can. Our next game is called. Welcome back to Balderdash Academy. Our points are in last place, <laughs> myself with 68 points, followed by Marie with 86, Randy with 101, Nate with 188, and in the lead, Molly with 259 points. It is time for our final pop quiz of the night. This pop quiz is from the head of Home Ec and Wellness and current reigning champion, Professor Marie Stewart Harmon. Marie, what do you have for us? I have a confession. I did something really, really dumb earlier today. Uh, Well, first I did something really, really (laughs) smart. I made delicious turkey burgers that had onion and Worcestershire sauce and garlic and jalapenos. So I cut these jalapenos and then I made the turkey burger and then I washed my hands and then I was like, oh, I gotta go, I gotta go do things. I wanna wear my mask. So I went into the bathroom to put my contacts on and I'm very, very speedy at putting my contacts on. So before I even had the second one in, I would like, my eyes were just actively dripping. Um, so obviously I had to take my contacts out. And then I was like, how the crap do I get <laughs> this jalapeno off my hands? So guys, faculty, brilliant minds collected here in this panel. How, what would you do to get jalapeno off of your fingers if you, say, wanted to put some contact in your eyeballs, what would you do? Molly, you seem to already have something percolating there, some good <laughs> some good sense that I did not have earlier today. Sure. Might you be able to instill some of this on me? I certainly do. Uh, what you would do to get a jalapeno off your fingers would first be to... Dip it into a, not completely melted, but a semi-solid bar of butter. Okay, you want to just wiggle that around for a wee bit. Okay, then you're going to take that, dip it into some flour, wiggle that around for a wee bit. You're going to go to some some panko breadcrumbs. You're going to put it in there (laughs) for a little bit. And then you're just going to lick each finger off. That sounded wrong. Um, Lick each finger. And and it's like little like the mini pinko off each finger. Yeah, it's like a little mini, uh, you know, parmigiana. And uh, there it goes. The it, batter and stuff just sucks it right off. Scientifically proven. Delicious. Sounds good. Um, Randy, do you have any advice for me? Of course I do. Uh, I think probably the best way to do it. I mean, we all know that um, a certain cola product. Uh, can remove rust uh, and actually it can take care of your your jalapeno fingers as well 
and I like to add a little bit of palm olive too because you know Marge soaks in it. And uh, so a little bit of palm olive and uh, it's like it's like a, a four to one cola to, to palm olive ratio and your, your, your hands will smell delightful afterwards and you can put your contacts in and out all day long. So four parts cola, one part palm olive. Yes. Got it. That I mean, cola does wonderful things to the toilet when you want to clean it. Um, uh, so Nate, do you have any? Do you have any suggestions for me? Yeah, they have. Um, they have a uh, any spicy foods. Jalapenos was your food of choice today. Uh, they have a station where you can cleanse your your fingers of those oils. Uh, first, you have to get there. So, what you want to do is you want to get a bag of bugles and just put a bugle chip over each finger for protection mm-hmm. um and then you want to go to new york city uh and go to battery park uh you go into that big building go down some elevators and there's the men in black headquarter um mm-hmm. in the men in black headquarters you can go and put your hand on this big ball that then heats up and burns off all those oils uh, I have a question, though, Nate. What happens if the um, uh, right after you have donned all of your fingers? What happens if you suffer for some from some bugloss? Bugloss. <laughs> um, yeah. That is, you know, that is, um, that's happened. You're doomed once. at that point. No, not doomed. It's just gonna it's gonna take a while because usually what happens is you chew off a bugle, and with that comes a finger. Uh, mm. You just have to go to the ER. Get that tended to, and then you continue your journey. Yeah, it's a threat. Okay. Yep. All right. So just ER, quick ER visit, then you can go get the jalapeno off your fingers. Definitely. Right. Headmaster Bob, I mean, this, these have all been really good pieces of advice, mm-hmm. but what would you do? You're the headmaster after all. So the pain is called from caps, uh, caused from capsaicin. Um, it was a chemical that the plant created to prevent other animals from eating it. And for whatever reason, humans are ridiculous. They find it exciting. You mm-hmm. can get rid of capsaicin on your fingers in a couple of ways. Um, uh, soap and water. If you scrub vigorously, there's always um, m- m- uh, milk is uh, used to actually wash it away from your tongue. Um, the most effective uh way to do it is to follow John Doe's lead from seven and use hydrochloric acid because the benefit is not only will it clean the capsaicin from your fingertips, it'll clean your fingerprints from your fingertips, allowing you mm-hmm. to really branch out and get away with whatever you want. Yeah. So one minute you're just suffering from spicy fingers. Next thing you are murdering left and right at will if you need to, because you don't have any more fingerprints. Why not? I was thinking this more is... eating grapes right from the produce aisle, but, you know, you do you. Yeah, murder was definitely not on my mind already. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, these have all been really, really good pieces of advice. Um, Fred, how would you like to award points here? We've got Molly, who um, basically is preparing her fingers for frying. She does the <laughs> butter, flour, panko, licking yeah. process finger food um we've got randy with his cola product four parts cola one part palm olive and we do know how that cola gets away really pesky things around your house um we've got nate's bugle fingers where you take a field trip to new york city and then you get into the men in black area and then you just, 
it sounds like there's some sort of alien trickery here. Um, and then we have Bob's, who's got the very scientific explanation of acid and um, how <laughs> you need to use <laughs> hydrochloric acid to uh, get it off of your fingers. And who needs jalapeno fingers when you – who needs fingerprints either? So Very, very helpful answers. Two acids uh, count, counteract. Yeah. I mean – Nate's is tempting. I think the the field trip part is not really great advice in this COVID quarantine environment. I'm I'm actually yeah. giving 25 points to you, Marie, for having stuck jalapenos in your eyes today. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's really dumb. Um, and, and I'll call the rest a draw. Wait, I'm gonna go get some jalapenos. Though so on the plus side, Marie, you did the contacts. You didn't pee. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's actually really, really simple. Um, and upon doing this, I immediately, once I could open my eyes again, I started Googling rubbing alcohol. Just Mm. it's, and everybody's got rubbing alcohol around the house, especially right now. Um, I literally just like rubbed rubbing alcohol on my hands at that point and then rewashed them with soap and water. And you know, someone said bourbon 250 points. Uh, <laughs> missed opportunity. Missed opportunity. You know, you if it, you yeah. if you did use a high high content alcohol of any kind, not necessarily rubbing alcohol, but I would I would not pour that on my hands. That's I would. No, that's where you wash it off your fingers. You can bring Molly's all home and just have like the, that would be <laughs> yeah, the yeah. one yeah. in your finger. I'd like that's to go right. back in time, use that time travel thing, and say bourbon. <laughs> Stephen Hawking would be so proud so proud <laughs> so right. guys don't stick jalapeno fingers in your eyeballs it's just not Got very it. bright for your own health and that's wellness good, good that is a that is a good lesson that we should all listen to and now yeah. it's time for our last minute or less question Fred <laughs> Who designed the rock band Queen's logo? Stephen Hawking. <laughs> uh, exactly. <laughs> there's actually a, a, a time traveler. Um, and Stephen Hawking at this party interviewed someone taking auditions for this gig. And then they were able to then go yes. further back in time to design that logo. Yeah. Sounds Fred, about right. As the headmaster, I'm giving you 100 points because that was a good answer. The Queen logo was designed by graphic designer and lead singer Freddie Mercury. Freddie Mercury Um, was a graphic designer? Freddie Mercury was a brilliant graphic designer who would have likely had a wonderful career in design had it not been for his amazing vocal talent. Huh. Some they, people have all the talent. As was David Bowie, as was Alan Rickman. So our next cool. game is called Technically Correct. I will read a description of a movie that is technically correct. Our faculty oh members will all come up with an answer as fast as possible. Fred will then award points based on the answers he likes best. Our first movie, A Man Follows His Nose and Finds His Perfect Flame. Nate, what's your answer? Uh, Roxanne. Roxanne, Molly, what do you got? Joe and the Volcano. Joe versus the Volcano. I love that movie. Randy. It's okay. 
Uh, chariots of fire. <laughs> <laughs> chariots of fire. Marie, what's your answer? Uh, I- I'm going to go with Lord of the Rings, the one where he actually makes it to Mordor. <laughs> Lord of the Rings, the I, one with Mordor. I, I think. I think. Sorry, that's an automatic negative seven. For <laughs> 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 All right. So we have Nate with Roxanne, Molly with the brain cloud of Joe versus the volcano, Randy running in slow motion with chariots of fire, and negative seven for Lord of the Rings, the one with Mordor. <laughs> The answer was Episode nine. It was Roxanne. Was I right? You were right. Oh, my God. <laughs> Fred, how would you like to award points? Uh, you know, I'll give, I'll give 12 to Nate for actually getting it right. 12 to Nate for getting it right. Fine. But, but not, with, not with a great amount of enthusiasm. <laughs> 12 blase like points for Nate. Movie number two. An adopted man returns to the country of his birth and is mocked for his traditional dress. Molly. Powder. Powder? (laughs) Randy, what do you got? Uh, The golden child. Golden child. Marie? Uh, Superman. Superman. And Nate. Tarzan. Tarzan. All right, yeah. all good answers, and all are technically correct, but they're not the right answer. You have Molly with Powder, you have Randy with Golden <laughs> Child, Marie with Superman, Nate with Tarzan. The correct answer was Elf. <laughs> oh, yeah! <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, all right. Yeah. Buddy. Fred, how would you like to score? I, li- I like Superman. I'm, going, I'm, going, I'm putting 40 points on Superman. 40 points on Marie. <laughs> okay. Or as we like to call it, 33 points on Marie. <laughs> 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 All right. Movie number three, an estranged spouse is forced to resort to violence in order to save his marriage. An estranged spouse is forced to resort to violence in order to save his marriage. Randy, what do you have? <laughs> Die hard. Uh, Die hard. All right. Marie, what do you got? Uh, uh, serendipity. Serendipity. All right. <laughs> Nate, what's your answer? Well, I was going to go with Geely, but I'm going to say Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> <laughs> Shawshank Redemption and Molly. Um... Mrs. Doubtfire. Mrs. Doubtfire. All right. So we have Randy with Die Hard, Marie with Serendipity, Nate with Shawshank Redemption, and Molly with Mrs. Doubtfire. The correct answer was Randy. It was Die Hard. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. I knew that. That wasn't just a random guess on my part. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, now that I think about it, I have to give 50 to Randy, but I'm going to give 25 to you, Bob, because of the earlier. Wait. Yeah, yeah. There was the early Bruce Willis reference, right? I'm not not imagining that. That, No, yeah, it was. yeah, Hudson Hawk. Hudson Hawk yeah, so, so that, that yeah. stands. If someone had said The Shining, I would have given them way more points. So. 
All right, our last movie for Technically Correct. A man discovers that sometimes the biggest influence that you can have is on yourself. Marie, what do you have? Oh, my God, I knew you were going to come to me first. Um, 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 up. Up. All right, Nate, what's your answer? Multiplicity. Multiplicity. And Molly? Silence of the Lambs. (laughs) Silence of the Lambs. Randy, what do you have? I'm going to go with Sphere. Sphere. All right. So we have Marie with Up, Nate with Multiplicity, (laughs) Molly with Silence of the Lambs, and Randy with Sphere. A movie, uh, so a movie about a man who discovers that sometimes the biggest influence that you can have is on yourself describes Fight Club. Ah. Uh, mm-hmm. My favorite author. Favorite author. Yeah. Fred, how would you I, like to score? I, you know, I, I'm going to give 36 to Molly for the Silence yes. of the Lambs. That was, that was pretty good. Um, All right. You know, but I'm feeling 36. 23 more to Nate for the publicity because <gasps> that came up in a weird way today and I need to see it. So, Oh, have you not seen it? <laughs> I have not. And I'm, oh. I'm told I'm, a f- yeah, it's on the short list. All right. Me too, Fred. So, um, that's the end of Technically Correct. Before we get to our points, it's time for today's moral. Okay. So, after playing the games tonight, some more than others, after speaking with each other, after laughing and talking about audio design and narratives with Fred, one thing is very clear. If you are an introvert and you want to be social, but you don't want to be around people, throw a party and invite everyone the day after you have it. (laughs) So that was our moral, our final point. Oh my God. Oh my God. In last place, we have myself with 93 points followed by Fred with 100, Marie with 144, Randy with 151. So, is it Molly or is it Nate? Well, Molly is at 295, which beats Nate's 211. Molly is our new reigning champion. <laughs> well done. Yes. I don't know. I should have given more of a bourbon sponge. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're regretting the, the win? Oh, my heart. How painful. <laughs> I feel slighted. So, Fred, thank you for joining us tonight. You can find more information about Final Rune Academy about Final Rune Productions, about all of the stories that Fred produces and all the work that he's done with the links in the description of the video and of the podcast. We'd like to thank you for visiting us at Balderdash Academy. I've been your headmaster, Bob LeBlanc. Joining me has been Professor of Steam, Nate Green. It has been good. Professor of Home Ec and Wellness, Marie Stewart Harmon. 
from first to worst, but I'm coming back next week. <laughs> <laughs> Professor of Computer Technology, Randy Hunt. Uh, 151 was a respectable first uh, score for me. Very respectable. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Good job. And our reigning champion, our... Our four-time reigning champion, Molly McGill. I told you it was going to be a good night. (laughs) <laughs> it wasn't great it was good <laughs> it was excellent thank you for tuning in to Ballerdash Academy we will see you again with our next show thank you for watching have a good night <laughs> check out our new Teacher's Lounge podcast on Wednesday and then welcome visiting professor Amanda Eaton Amanda is the producer and co-founder of You Should Smile More the all-female improv troupe, as well as a rapper, actor, performer, hiker, cyclist, and member of the Chamber of Comedy, along with the rest of the faculty. Catch you November 30th, right here on Balderdash Academy. Balderdash Academy was produced and edited by Bob LeBlanc. Theme music by Thinkfish Tank. Performed and written by Steve Corning, Carla Rose Dubois, Nate Green, Randy Hunt, Bob LeBlanc, Molly McGill, and Marie Stewart Harmon. Copyright 2020, Robert J. LeBlanc and Steve Corning. All rights reserved. Go Dashers! Good night and thank you for listening to the podcast. We have options available if you'd like to support the show directly or show your school colors with some Balderdash Academy merchandise. For more information on the show, support options, or merchandise, please visit our website at balderdashacademy.com. Thank you for listening, and have a good night. Loving what you're hearing? Now imagine if you could actually see Molly's point-winning angry face, Marie's up-close-and-personal lean-in, Nate's... Where is he now? Is he in the bathroom still? Steve's coveted sweatband, and Bob's juggling of all things tech. Yeah, it gets pretty wild. See all this and more by catching episodes on Balderdash Academy's YouTube channel.